Hello, my name is Thatcher, and you're listening to Rethink Motivation, a podcast where we talk to successful entrepreneurs about breaking through the struggles of starting a business and living a life that matters. Today's guest is super well-known in the online business space. He explores how people use content and community to build marketplaces around ideas of belonging. He's the CEO of Owner Media Group, a sought-after public speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of eight books and counting. He's spoken for or consulted with some of the biggest brands you know, including Disney, Coke, Google, GM, Microsoft, the list goes on and on. He's appeared on The Dr. Phil Show, interviewed Richard Branson for a cover story for Success Magazine, and was invited to be on Tony Robbins' Internet Money Masters series. If you haven't guessed it already, today's guest is Chris Brogan. Let's dive into the interview. Chris, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for agreeing to come on. I really appreciate it. Couldn't be any happier, Thatcher. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Um, So I'm really psyched to have you on the show for obvious reasons. Um, but the, the big reason is that you're kind of the founding father or one of the, the pioneers of what is modern day blogging. And I'd love to hear when was the first blog post you ever published? 1998. Um, I was way before there was actually technically blogging software. So I was using this kind of WYSIWYG website editor on top of Tripod. I think it was, I can't remember if I did Angel Fire first or Tripod, but it was this thing called Trellix. And it was made by Dan Bricklin, who is one of the co-creators of VisiCalc, um, which is like an early spreadsheet software. And so it kind of was like a spreadsheet, but you wouldn't know because the lines were invisible. So on the left side, I'd put the date. On the right side, I'd write my post. The next day, I'd go in and I'd hit cut and then paste it in the next column in the spreadsheet and then write the post in the, in the one that was now vacant. And so it was like really ridiculous. But like blogging software, you know, took years to show up. And it wasn't like anyone was sitting around waiting for it. I mean, we never sit around waiting for what we don't know exists. But it was kind of weird because there was just this realization that, you know, once that software did come, we were like, whoa, we used to do this. And it was really painful. And, and I wasn't even really a coder, but it was still annoying just as a user. Yeah. So it sounds like you kind of went out of your way to publish that first post. What, what made you decide to, to publish it? That's a good question. It was it was a lot about just sort of expression and you know this this medium that no one really tells you what you can do. I thought, "Hey, this is perfect. I can talk about whatever's on my mind." And at the time I was trying <clears throat> desperately to <clears throat> excuse me, publish fiction. And I was thinking, "Hmm, I'll, you know, people aren't buying this in the magazines that I keep sending it to, so I'll just publish it myself and, you know, screw them." It was because I was like a crappy writer. I thought it was because, you know, they just didn't understand my genius. But, I mean, that's the beauty of blogging, too. You could be a total idiot and and hit publish. And that's where confidence comes from, you know, because you start learning stuff and you start thinking, huh, well, I might not be that great. But then when comments started showing up years later, um, I was like, wow, someone likes me. And then, you know, from there spawns all kinds of madness and insanity. Yeah. So your first post was fiction then? Yeah, I wrote a lot of fiction uh, right up until 9-11. So from 1998 till 9-11, there was a lot of fiction and probably a lot of angst and ennui because that's that's the other thing you could do with blogging is you can moan and complain. Julian Smith in 2009, when we published Trust Agents, uh, he was saying, you know, I love shaking people's hands and going, oh, you're a blogger? What do you complain about? And it's kind of true, which is what makes it funny to me. Yeah, no, that is funny. Awesome. So... When you were first started blogging, did it ever really occur to you that you know this could turn into a massive business, or that you were 
going to build this giant audience? Did that ever even cross your mind? Not even a little bit. I mean, the part about audience, like I was like, oh, man, I hope people like what I do. It, it wouldn't be really amazing if, you know, somebody saw me and picked me up and brought me into the mainstream world. It would be like Cinderella. Uh, and then one day you kind of realize, oh, I guess I don't need those guys. And then when those offers start showing up, you're like, definitely don't need these guys. And then, you know, then is when the world sort of changes. But when I started, it was just, you know, I had a day job like anybody else. I was just kind of writing and messing around. But coming towards, <clears throat> excuse me, 2005, so like seven years in, was when people kind of started taking notice. And I had started a podcast that no one cared about too much. But people were starting to like pay attention to me. And so some of the bigger names at the time were looking my way and going, hmm, he seems interesting. Uh, and, you know, copy blogger Brian Clark, I think our first conversation was in 06. And I was commenting pretty fiercely on his website every day. He was like, this Brogan guy is so not going to make it. And uh, that's like our long running joke with each other. Uh, but it's true. And it was a sentiment because I just seemed like, you know, another one of those gee whiz people. Um, so, no, business, it took a while for business to really make sense. I think 06 was pretty much when I immediately uh, latched to the right ideas to start making companies figure it out. But it even took me a few more years after that to make it, you know, something codified that I could say, this is how we do it. And people would go, okay, that's how we do it. So it took a while. Gotcha. So yeah, it really was a pretty long learning experience then. Um, mm -hmm. So today, obviously blogging has blown up into this massive industry, I guess you could call it, um, where all these people have blogs on any topic you can imagine. People are trying to find their niche. And I feel like it's almost impossible to start a blog today without at least thinking about the possibility of profit or building a business around it or making money. It's kind of hard to start a blog purely for fun, I feel like. So what would be your advice for people to try to adopt kind of a passion-based mentality uh, when they're starting these types of things? Well, I'm kind of, um, you know, I'm somewhere down the middle on that. I was going to answer one thing and then I realized I'm probably going to answer something else. So okay. it's kind of funny because right the minute you asked me the question, I went two directions at once in my head. <laughs> so I was going to say, you know what, my nine-year-old blogs for passion, he's thrilled. He's really happy, but I pay his bills. So he doesn't have to be any more than that. And I could tell you that um, the whole experience as far as that goes is, you know, watching him blog makes me happy about blogging again. But then, you know, when it comes to doing your money and all that, and when you're, when you're thinking on a blog for business, there are probably two approaches. There's the one where you're like, I just know I'm a good writer and I know what people buy and I'll figure out ways to make a blog that will, you know, draw me more attention and thus earn me the opportunity to sell to those people. And that's fine. Lose a lot of passion with that process. You know, you're going to just go, Ugh, I never ever want to write a story about shoes again or whatever it is. And so you're going to have to find those kinds of pro those projects that really tie to who you are. So I think that once you, you really want to settle in, you really kind of have to have a really interesting worldview that can incorporate making money, but that also ties to something you believe really deeply in. And then you can sort of slot in and slot out the things that make you the money. And I, I think that's kind of the best model out of all of them to go after. Yeah, okay. So, you know, maybe pick a topic that you are you are passionate about, but there's also uh, other people who care about the topic or there's some, you know, market potential. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I, I really strongly believe that anyone... If they're fiercely passionate, they can find a make way a way to make money out of anything. I mean, they really can. Michelle Pham put on makeup for a living. That's all she did. She was just sitting around her house making videos of her putting on makeup. Well, you know, she's kind of pretty. That's that that doesn't hurt. But 
She started getting millions of YouTube views. And so companies started saying, hey, we'd love to send you free makeup. She's like, oh, this is the best thing in the world. I make little videos of me putting on makeup. People send me stuff. Then she realized, wait a minute. It's like what models do. Like, you should be giving me money. And then she, you know, went back to them and said, I think you should pay me. And they're like, uh, okay. And so she started making like six figures to put on makeup. And then someone said, well, why wouldn't you be an owner of one of these makeup businesses? And so she said, okay. And so she signed a licensing deal. So now she's making millions and this girl puts on makeup for a living. So you can do anything if you're super passionate about it, but you have to do the work and you have to sort of figure out, you know, if it's something that someone else cares about. It turns out there's a lot of people who put makeup on their face. And so watching her do what she does was kind of an obvious business once she did it. But before she did it, if you had ever said to a bunch of people in a room, hey, who wants to make you know, 100000 bucks a year putting on makeup? Everyone would look around awkwardly at each other thinking it's not a business. Yeah, I think that's, that's such a good example. Um, because it, it almost sounds absurd when you say that. Like, oh, I'll put on makeup and you know, be making six figures a few years later. Right. That, is, that is crazy to think about. But yeah, now there are all sorts of crazy things people are doing for six figures a year. PewDiePie makes $10 million a year to play video games. And we just watch over his shoulder and he makes dumb jokes. $10 million, seven figures, eight figures, sorry, to play video games. You don't. So, you know, my point is that you can do it. It just requires, you know, a real commitment to the work. I mean, it's not like he just sits around and plays video games. That's just me minimizing what he does but there were a lot of interesting perfect storm elements that made that happen but you could do it tomorrow you could find that thing that really matters to you just the question keeps being does it tie to something other people are into as well video games is an 80 billion dollar industry in the u.s where it's only uh, where movies are a 20 billion dollar industry what are all the mainstream population covering box office openings on the weekend but games is four times the marketplace so pewdiepie knew that and he was able to really uh, take great advantage of that. Yeah, that's another fantastic example. Um, it's it's crazy how long the list is today of ridiculous things that people make ridiculous amounts of money doing. Um, it's kind of hard to believe. Um, so speaking on the topic of kind of going from doing a random hobby to making a lot of money, uh, your company is called Owner Media. And I wanted to just ask you, how does someone go from, say, putting on makeup in front of their camera and putting the videos on YouTube or, you know, playing video games and throwing them on the Internet or writing a blog for fun? How does someone go from that to being an owner? In my mindset, so owner starts before you even own a company. I mean, I read an article in 1999 from Tom Peters talking about owning the cubicle that you worked in and being the CEO of you. And I thought, well, that's an interesting way to look at it. And so... I kind of went right from there. And so to me, there, the first step of ownership is realizing that you are responsible and that you're the person choosing what you're going to do next. Stephen Covey, it would be habit one, uh, be proactive, deciding that you're the programmer of your own life. And so I think that the people who aren't owners are people who are more like participants. You know, They're the people that are worse. They're more like attendees. You know, they, they show up. What's on the agenda? What are other people going to do? Oh, that must be their problem. If someone says they and somebody lots in their sentences, they're not an owner. Because owners think about us and we and my, and what can I do to make this work better? And so to me, that's what I've been trying to work on with people is, how do I help you get to that next level? How do I help you find that ownership 
that lets you take on the right kinds of challenges to make your day and your business work a lot better. And that's how I spend my time. Yeah, no, I think that's a great mission. And I think that sounds like such a basic transformation or such a uh, such a small difference, but I think just having the right mindset can, can change everything. Uh, I mean, if you think about things from the perspective of actually having ownership over your actions and you know, that, that leads to you actually making changes in your life rather than waiting for those changes to come. So yeah, I think that's, I think you have an awesome mission. And so um, I want to ask you a question about kind of what has, has driven you to get where you are. Uh, so Chris, what is kind of the, the deep driving force that's, that's gotten you to continue pumping out all the great work you put out? What is it that motivates you to write the next blog post to make the next business pivot? What, what's kind of driving all that? Well, first off, I, I have a community. I don't really think of myself as having an audience. I have a community of people that I serve. So I think every single day, how can I think of a way to add value to these people? How can I give them something that will move themselves forward? And more than 90% of that I do for free, and then that other 10% that I charge for, people really can self-identify that that's what they want to pick up. So I talk a lot about how to, you know, right now I've been talking about, people tend to tell me that they don't have much of a newsletter list or they don't have much of a community to serve. And I said, oh, I can show you how to earn more customers. And so a lot of what I did, I put away for free, but then I built a course called Earn More Customers, and then people can come and find it. So that came from, you asked me how, to, how I was motivated, that came because I started a course called Online Course Maker about how to build courses. And people were like, duh, this is great, my course is just about finished, and uh, uh, who do I sell it to? And they paused. <laughs> they thought, I don't know, like I don't have anybody to sell to. And I said, oh, well... Um, we should have probably done this in a different order, but here's how. And so I went on a mission to figure out what's working these days to help people grow their business and what's working online to help kind of grow any kind of opportunity to earn the right to sell to people. And I set about putting that into some kind of actionable framework that people could do something with. And that's the majority of my business. My business is essentially looking at problems that people I care about have and then finding a way to make them work better. Awesome. So yeah, I really, your, I guess your motivation really is just helping people kind of achieve what you've achieved and, and grow alongside you. Or do it differently. I mean, I don't want anybody to be me because what a mess. But I think that there's a lot to learn in, in picking up some of the same skills that I figured out. Gotcha. Cool. Um, so I have a few kind of quick little questions that I don't know, I think the answers are interesting too. So I'd, I'd love to hear what you have to say. First one is, uh, what is your inner dialogue like, or what are you telling yourself before you enter a high-pressure situation? Oh, uh, <laughs> it's, funny. it's funny because like there's probably a good answer, and uh, then there's my answer. My answer is, oh, <laughs> you suck, and you are terrible, and they're going to figure out that you're a total fraud, and you really ought to do better. And then I go, oh, okay, <laughs> and then I go in. Uh, <laughs> but you know, like the real answer should be like, you know, well, you can do this, and you're going to win. Um, but no, I mean, every time I'm on stage, I was on stage in front of 7,000 people and that was the most I had done. And I was just sitting there thinking, I didn't even prepare a speech because they asked me sort of last minute, Hey, want to be here? And I was like, okay. And so I walked in and everybody else had these speeches that they've been giving for 30 years. And so I just zagged when they zigged. So right before that moment, right when they said, please welcome Chris Brogan, I just thought they're going to find out I'm a fraud. And that's, you know, that's the real answer, not the good answer. Well, no, I, th- I mean, I think the, the real answer is the good answer. That's what, I, that's what I was hoping for. So thank you. And I think that's so good to hear because 
it's easy to to look at someone like yourself or someone else who's had a had a lot of success and and think wow there's no way i could do the things they do you know they have some sort of insane ability to to overcome obstacles and do all these crazy things but at the end of the day uh you know mm-hmm. we're all humans and you think the same thoughts that I might think too. So that's awesome. And more importantly, you know, it's okay to think those thoughts and it's, it's okay to be freaked out sometimes. Right. Absolutely. You get, I mean, that's why I talk about depression a lot because, uh, I suffer from mild depression. And so I always tell people, you know, you can sit there and go, yeah, I'm depressed. Can't do anything. Or you could say I'm depressed and I'm still going to figure out a way to do it. And so I, I like to share that stuff a lot because I think that you know, I'm I'm basically looking for excuse removal systems. I'm looking for ways that I can take an excuse off of your plate, and you can still try to figure out how to succeed. Yeah, I love that excuse removal systems. That's a cool. That's a cool idea. So, Chris, what is one habit or ritual that you just could not live without? <sighs> that's a great question. In so far as just as you asked it, I was thinking nothing like i can live without anything like i can change habits all the time i like rituals like i meditate a lot like i do a lot of breathing in and out um but what i you know can i live without it sure i mean it's really easy not to meditate just don't do it but um i find that when i do it i'm happier so i think most of the best things in life are the things you could live without but you choose not to huh okay i wasn't expecting that answer but uh that's actually really cool Uh, i like it (laughs) Thank you. Um, and then I understand that you are working on a new book right now. Is there anything you could tell us about it? Um, yeah, that the publisher hated it. They were like, this is a stupid book. Don't write it. So, <laughs> okay. So now I'm back to the drawing board. Um, and that's part of the process. You know, Stephen King still submits a proposal for every book that he writes. And, you know, the thing about success is it's very much a jigsaw. You know, it's very much like an up and then a down and then an up and then a really far down and then a little up. And then you think you fixed it and then you go even further down and then you go up. And so (laughs) the beauty is once you hit bottom, you can only go up. Uh, And so with my writing, with my proposal, the kind of general feedback was like, well, it's a little too visiony. It's a little too soft. It's a little too, you know, you can do it. And we, you know, the world wants more practical. I said, I got practical for days, fine. So now I'm just trying to make it so that it doesn't sound like a, you know, owner's manual for like a car. And so my next plan is to try to help people build, you know, how does a business become beloved? You know, how do people love a business so much that they're going to lose their mind? But I just have to kind of phrase that in words that'll make them happier. Um, so. Most most business books have the opposite mistake. They they make it all look like broccoli, and no one wants that. And um, it turns out that people really kind of want cake. So I have to hide the broccoli inside the cake, and then we'll be where we need to be. Perfect. That's a great metaphor. Um, so while people are waiting for your book, uh, where can they find out more about yourself and read your writing? You know, the easiest thing to do is just swing by chrisbrogan.com, and there's a little newsletter sign up. Please sign up and tell me that you love me. And you can hit reply and I can talk to you every single weekend. Awesome. There you go. Well, Chris, uh, that's, that's about time. So thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, there you have it. That was uh, 20, 30 minutes with Chris Brogan. Not a bad way to, to spend half an hour. Um, that was really cool because, you know, like I said, and like Chris said, 
he started out blogging uh, before blogging was even a word. And I think it's really helpful to hear those stories of, of people who kind of pioneered industries and to, to hear kind of what their mindset was like when they, they were first starting out. And so, I mean, it was super helpful for me and I hope, I hope you got some value out of that. Um, Chris is an awesome guy. If, if you have any other questions or want to just reach out to him, definitely shoot him a tweet at Chris Brogan. He's super responsive um, and he's just a super nice guy. And uh, if you want to stay up to date on other interviews with really cool people like Chris, uh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you really liked it, uh, feel free to leave a rating. It just takes a a minute and it really helps the show grow. Uh, And other than that, thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you next week. Um,